This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. It certainly is because eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. If you're somebody like me who cannot cook to save their little lives, it's a game changer. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in, wait for it, just two minutes. Plus, you'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You can pick from two-minute meals where you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. With pancakes, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. They're ready. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no chopping up veggies. None of that stuff. If you're like me and you're busy, whack on a podcast, whack these in, and they're ready to go. Nothing for you to do. No cleanup either. And the great thing is it's flexible for your schedule. So you can get as much or as little as you need when choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime if anything changes. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeaway and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head to factormeals.com slash TWTW50 and use code TWTW50 to get 50% off. That's code TWTW50 at factormeals.com slash TWTW50 to get 50% off. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiducian Pate. Hello. Bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Hi Chantal. Hi Grania, how are you? I've got huge exciting news which I don't think you know about. Oh shit, straight in, okay. You know how our (laughs) listeners are the ultimate girls girls? Yes I do. They have our back, they scrap for us. They look after us, they hold our hair back as we puke, and they, do. they leave iTunes reviews. Ooh, well done, listeners. I do not know about this. I'm going to read out the review, so I'm going to need you to go instinct, and then... So yeah, three. we're going to speed through this, guys. Instinct, and then set them up with the celebrity couple. Shit, okay. So we've got Anna RR. She says she's very impressed by our near encyclopedic knowledge of celebrities. We could be scientists, Chantel. It's right, If only right. science was as... Um, is interesting then I can afford my rent every month but oh well (laughs) (laughs) she says uh she loves listening to the podcast the celebrity couple she and I agree this is an amazing couple Orson Welles and Rita Hayworth oh that is a good one that is a good one both have a lot to work with as well oh poor Rita my god Mm. amazing couple and also 
Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston. I'm waiting to get a Taylor Swift episode. There's a lot of Taylors to go through. There's I mean, so we could do a Taylor, do with Taylor Swift season. We could we do could a Taylor do a Swift season. season. Literally, we could. So I, I totally agree with you, Anna. So she's got very good taste. Who would her celebrity couple be? Um, I'm going off with? the bat. I'm just going to give her a uh, very... I'm giving, I don't know why it's in my head, but I'm giving her Christian Bale. Christian Bale? <laughs> I'm giving her Christian Bale. Is that bad? I think Christian no, Bale's really hard. he's very intense. Yeah, I but she's very he's... intellectual. He's, she's into the classics. You know, I think Christian Bale would love Orson Welles. And um, he's a hard worker. Who doesn't like a hard worker? Okay, amazing. So we've got another review from Rosie Wu. Again, incredible couple choices. Oh I swear, just when you think, oh, how many couples are there? Bam! You're like, oh my God, we haven't even... Tip of the iceberg so far. Tip of the iceberg. So, 90s iconic couple, Liam Gallagher and Patsy Kensett, Huge. or Nicole Appleton. Huge. Both. Happy with both. And I then, prefer Nicole Appleton, actually. Go on. This classic couple, Ava Gardner and oh. Frank Sinatra. I mean, you know my thoughts. If we do Frank and Ava, I... I Please give it to me to research because as a Frank fan, I've, actually, no, don't because then I can improve my knowledge on Frank. Actually, don't. So I'm dying for a Frank one, even though I do feel for Grainer's research when it comes to Sinatra and the Mafia and Kennedys. <laughs> I feel for you. That's going to be like a five-parter. Um, so let's see. So she's... 90s, 90s and like 90s. golden Hollywood. Um, I'm going to give her Jake Gyllenhaal. Because I feel like he's a bit of old blue eyes himself. Yes, and he can sing. And he can sing. He's a good singer. Yep. He can sing. He can do. He, he's a bit of a triple threat. He can dance yeah. as well. So she likes Frankie. She'll like him. And she can meet Maggie Gyllenhaal. Do you know what I'm saying? Then she, she can find Taylor's nice. scarf, and then we're back to Taylor again. Oh. <laughs> and then the final review from Lottie Langs. She's a big fan of the podcast, and she says she came across it because. Me, Grania, uh, plugs it on every podcast that I'm a guest on. Well done, Grania. Did you hear that, producers? She's doing her bit. The hustle is real. It's paying off. She likes the 90s and noughties nostalgia of it all. Okay. Oft forgotten, but if you're into the 90s nostalgia, I think you might be, a f- you might, I think, be a fan of him. Um, sort of late 90s, early 2000s vibes. How about a little Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh, where is he now? Precisely. Where is he now? What happened to him? Oh my God, adorable. Those cheekbones, he's right? me. Those little puppy dog eyes. And I love a triple initial, as I, as you know, because oh. of mine. So I'm a big fan. And then, sorry, final, one more review, sorry. It's from Kit Kat's pod. She, first of all, okay, this is information for when you're putting it together with somebody. She right. is a Scorpio. Okay, right. So she's evil. So okay. she's spicy. We like even our evil fans. Her. We're into it. Okay, so she would like, I'm going to, I think I'm going to pronounce these names wrong. She'd love to hear an episode on Alexis Bledel and Milo Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. In their Gilmore Girls days. And Scott Disick and Kourtney Mm. Kardashian. Of course, Scott, that is going to be a big one, Scott and Kourtney, now with Kravis. So she likes some kind of, she likes kind of a modern vibe, I feel like. Mm. We're going modern. edgy, modern girl. But she's a Scorpio. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is a tough one now. Who's a modern guy who can kind of take it, I think? I know he's not known as a super, super bad boy, but he's got a bit of an edge to him, I think. is um, He's a bit older. Is actually Matthew McConaughey. Oh. He's got a bit of an edge to him. He drinks a little. He smokes a little. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He and he's unbelievably bongos. hot. He ages like a Chanel suit, you know? Oh. 
And he'd be like, hey, 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 my little Scorpio queen. Yeah. Let's a sneak, smoke some weed and play yeah, exactly. the mongols. I know she's a Scorpio, but she's my gal. You know, he'd say something like that. God, I'm actually sweating from the stress of thinking of all those people. That was a lot. But honestly, I cannot tell you, thank you so much. It makes my day. It makes an embarrassing day. amount. Yeah, oh, please, boy. please continue. Please give us reviews. It helps us as well. The more reviews we get, the better we can do. And then the more money we can get to get more guests. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of glamorous, incredible guests. Mm-hmm. This week's guest, he is a little hottie. He is so brilliant. And oh my God, he was expensive. But we got the budget together and we booked him. We did it. Get ready for the... Fabulous Will Hall. The, the way, way they, they were. Hello. Hi, Will. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Will. So we're so happy to have you on the podcast. Having me, guys. So you've hinted, so you've got an incredible couple, which Chantelle doesn't know, but you hinted in our pre-chat that there was another couple that you nearly wanted to talk about. It was Joey Essex and Samantha Fires. Oh, which one's Samantha? Fo- oh, Samantha Fairs from Tally. Fairs, sorry, yeah, yeah maybe I'm that wrong. I did a photo shoot with them when they were um going out together, and there was yeah, he was a. I liked Joey a lot. He was really like enamored with her. That that was like a real deal. Well, from him, it definitely was. He was really. I have a lot of time for Joey. I think he's a really swell guy. I really liked him. So I would have loved them. Great seems couple lovely. choice. He really is. I he's was... really like intelligent in his own way as well he kind of thinks just about things differently than everyone else does i'm a big fan i really love that show that was like when they were going out i think it was like series two that was like my peak tally years Mm. and so i nearly went for them i think it's fair to say quite quite a different couple i guess in the end they were the joey and sam of their time let's leave it at that yeah we'll we'll give you that 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 teaser. Um, okay. but, Until that but... should be enough as far as clues go. To get, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more questions. <laughs> then this couple will meet you. Sam and Joey of their time. I know it's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but before we go to your, to your couple, we're quite, we're a, a romantic podcast. We celebrate love. We love love. Are you, do you consider yourself a romantic person? Yes, I do. I think I'm very romantic, actually. I really remember about like 17 me and my friend and she'd had boyfriends and I'd never been in a relationship at this stage we were talking about you know like she was like oh, what are you most looking forward to having a boyfriend or as having a at the time I wasn't out and come out to her so having a girlfriend and I was like oh I'm most looking forward to it and I said I said writing love letters and she was like what on earth are you on about <laughs> like that is not what people do with 17 <laughs> most people would say sex <laughs> Have you ever written a love letter, though? No, because it's so cringe. Oh, <laughs> I have been is... in relationships, but... You, um... have, you should make that a rule for yourself this year. It's only halfway through the year. By the end of the year, write someone a love letter. I promise you, you won't regret it. I promise you. It, it depends. I have to surely get in a relationship in order to make well, that happen. What right? a great way to start yeah, <laughs> with a love a bit, letter. bit intense. Um, <laughs> that same person. Because she was so... She, that, she really... She sort of was the one who I would have all my like romance a bit oh what about romance with her and then I when I did come out to her she was the first person I told and it was on the Friday the 13th of February and which was quite an auspicious date to do it and I had like yeah. I just happened to be seeing her and I was like okay this has got to be the day and then we went for dinner and we got back to her house and I was sitting on her bed and apparently I didn't I was so nervous I wasn't really paying attention to this 
it suddenly got, she said I was being really quiet and I'm being a bit weird. And then it got to one minute past midnight. And I said, there's something I need to tell you. What I hadn't realized was that one minute past midnight after mm-hmm. Friday the 13th of February is Valentine's Day. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, he's in love with me. And so <laughs> arguably the, like, the best reaction coming out was her being like, oh my God, phew, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was like, that is so typical of you. You know, that is like, I, w- I thought you would be like, oh, Valentine's Day is when I will confess my love. So yeah, I am a bit too romantic of anything. I need to scale it back a bit. No, you don't. Don't say that. Me and Grind would always say, scale it up, go for yeah. it, screw it. Yeah, <laughs> life's too short. The exactly. planet's dying. Enjoy yourself. That's exactly. true. Yeah. Nice way of looking at romance there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you've got an amazing couple, but once again, Chantelle doesn't know who they are. So I provided a few clues to help her along the way to find them. So your dream couple got together in the wonderful year of 1968. Oh, shit. Okay. 1968, baby. So to get you in the right headspace, it was the year of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The world said, hey, Jude, and goodbye to Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy. But a pair of lovebirds that lived in a very fine house together before things sadly turned blue. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> None of those clues are ringing even the vaguest of bells. Can I just say, I wrote in my head, not wrote, but I was thinking about in my head what you might say, Grania, and your final line was exactly, you know, I thought, like, if it doesn't end on that, then something's gone wrong. So yeah. blue. <laughs> I was lost. Are they? Is it? Are they musicians? Is anyone a musician in this? Are they both musicians? We can say they're both musicians. I presume they're definitely British. Mm. Are they not British? Is one of them? No one's British. One of them was born in the UK. Is the other one from from America or from the other continent or Europe or something? So one had sort of a a dual citizenship, and one one I will say her passports is American. But are we allowed to say that she is not herself American? Yeah. Oh, my God. God, Actually, we've made it sound like a riddle now. (laughs) This really is. (laughs) It's the fine day in the blue when you're both into this blue. Are they singers? Are they both singers? They're both singers. Will, do you have, is there another clue? Would you yeah, imagine I think we have one more to go and then I have to give up. So a lot of people think she's American. Why would they okay. think, she, where, where might she come from that people could Well, yeah, I, I, figured, I figured Canada. Right. So she's Canadian, I presume, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and sort of, I'm going to go oh. out there and say maybe the biggest Canadian artist, like one of the, she's one of like the big players in Canadian music. Is she Joni Mitchell? Yes. yes. So, okay, so we've got Joni Mitchell and then who yeah. did she get to from, um, who was she with from England? I don't know who the English guy is. I think um, you have to give it to me, is it for the sake of So I'll give you fifty percent. You got good oh. so it was Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash. Graham Nash, okay. Graham Nash. We say Graham, you say Graham. Get used to that. Oh, Nash of Crosby Stills and Nash. Crosby Stills. I don't think I knew that he was from the UK. <laughs> I think I was listed in my head as one of the American ones she went out with. So that's the big that's how you know what a big fan of that band I am. <laughs> Great choice, though, Joey. Really, really they were good a big choice. one as well. I do know they were a big one. This is great. Oh, I love it, Will. I'm very excited. So, well, why? Well, apart from when you got past 
Joey Essex and Sam Fair, who are the Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash of the mid noughties Why? Yeah. What was it? What What was it about this couple that you find so interesting? Well. I know this is kind of maybe contentious, but arguably this breakup kind of inspired Blue, the album, which I do think is, you know, it's not a controversial thing to say. It's one of the one of the all-time great albums. If not, maybe the best breakup album ever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's very, very good. And I, I listened to that loads, like, growing up. And, I, as, you know, I love Joni Mitchell. And also just because, like, I, I strongly believe me and Joni would be friends if only we met and part of me hopes she's sort of like sitting in her house in Laurel Canyon or wherever she is now mm. does a bit of you know self-googling as well. uh, hey I do it I wouldn't blame her and she might come across this podcast and think oh you know in in my remaining years which we hope are many but might be few I don't know uh, as you say she lived a life let's have him around for tea or something so I'm, basically this is a kind of a long-winded way of becoming friends with her. You know, if nothing else comes from these podcasts, if you end up with being Joni Mitchell's life partner yeah, in her companion. autumn years, we will have, our work will be done. Yeah, we've succeeded. We've succeeded. Yeah. God, do you think... I'm sorry, I got so into that. I was like, do you think there's a chance that <laughs> not just friends, maybe we could cohabit? I mean, yeah. Yeah. For the listeners I at mean, home, you know, I, like Will's eyes literally glazed over there. It's like, oh, God, yeah, that could really, you can sort of imagine it. I could pack it. I could be packed in a day, guys. I could do it. <laughs> oh my God. I've, I've thought so many times about <laughs> our friendship. This sounds insane. I just think, you know, we get on. We've got similar interests. We both like her music, for one. And, you know, she's a very good painter. Uh, yeah. I like paintings. I can't paint. Uh, she can paint me. And there's lots of, we we get on well. And, you know, I, I want it to happen now. I well, want it to mentally happen Mentally, I'm in California. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about Jodie Mitchell is, and doing this research, she will dish the dirt. You, like Joni Mitchell with a glass of wine in the kitchen, sat down with a cigarette. She will tell you what went down. She's not mincing words. She sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, so let's do a little bit of a deep dive. So before any go any further, I know what you're thinking. Sure, but what about the star signs? Well, <laughs> we have that covered. So Joni Mitchell, she now... Okay, Chantal, what do you think her star sign is? And when I say Scorp- she's trouble... Is it Scorpio? She's Scorpio. Now, Scorpios historically have been the spiciest star sign. So I'm not, I'm not saying... It's a red flag, but she had a lot of paramours. It explains that. Let's, yeah, Chantal, let's bring back the word paramour. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been on the shelf for too long. Oh I'm going to do that next time paramour. I'm on like a hinge date. That's me meeting my paramour. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Off to meet my paramour down the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's a Scorpio, Graham Nash, Aquarius. Oh, nice star sign. Good one. They're nice. Okay, nice dreamy. So, Will, what do you think the stars above or the website, Star Sign Compatibility, whichever way you want to refer to it, give percentage-wise Scorpio and Aquarius as a match? Look, I've listened to this podcast a fair bit and they're almost never good, are they? <laughs> they never say, oh, you know what? Great. You guys are going to get on famously. Um, so I'm going to go with 10%. Wait, oh, my God. Was- Okay. He said 16. 16, 19. okay. 19%. 19%. God, not a big difference. Um, I'm going to go... It's going to be less than 20. I mean, I think you are right. Uh, and I do know, from what little I do know, I know these guys weren't... They they burned 
strong but fast basically so i know i know this if it inspired a... such a famous breakup album it's not going to be anything above 50 right that's right exactly exactly i'm <laughs> going to say um i'm going to give him a little bit more hope though i'm going to say 42 percent. 42 percent. okay well the results are in they said contact between a scorpio that's joni and an aquarius graham can be truly intense it is very difficult for these partners to find a balance of passion, emotion and rational thinking. As two fixed star signs, they will most certainly have trouble changing their natures and adjusting to a partner that is too different from them. Mm-hmm. 40%. I was close. I was close. But you were right you, about you below 50. Closer. You knew about below 50. Yeah. You knew yeah. it was they, they didn't even have, they didn't they literally didn't stand half a chance. Literally. They so Joni obviously was born in Canada. Her dad was in the army, so they moved around quite a bit. Now, a big moment in her early development was when she was young, she developed polio. Uh, so that meant she was hospitalized for weeks on end. Apparently her parents, she had to be quarantined. Her parents didn't really visit her. And it was during this time that she, because her arm was quite weakened by it, so she learned to play guitar with her left hand, which oh, is wow. how how she developed sort of the, the, the chord structures that were quite unique. I did not know that. Sound. That's so interesting. And what's so funny is apparently in some interviews, she says she invented those chords and people were like, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe she did. <laughs> Let her I have think it. she did. Let her have it. Joni, if you're listening, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> So then she started playing a guitar. She was very interested in art. Then she, uh, she's growing up in Calgary. And then when she was a teenager, she discovered she was pregnant by an ex-boyfriend in 1964. She said later, he left me three months pregnant in an attic room with no money and winter coming on and only a fireplace for heat. The spindles so poetic already. Oh, it gets Jeez. better. It gets better slash it gets worse. The spindles of the banister were gap-toothed. Fuel for last winter's occupants. Oh, Joni. She brought the drama. Everything. Yeah. It's so cool. Big time. Oh, image, lyrics. Gorgeous. So she gave birth to a baby girl in 1965, but she placed the daughter up for adoption. Then she met a New York-born songwriter called Charles Scott Mitchell. And he basically was like, oh, you're amazing. Let's move to America. I'm going to make you a star. We're going to be so famous. We're going to be stars together. So she traveled with him. They got married. She said, I made my dress and bridesmaid dresses. We had no money. I walked down the aisle brandishing my daisies. Oh, of course it was daisies. Of course Mm. it was daisies. What other flower would it be for Joni Mitchell? Brandishing, quite an aggressive word for it. Yeah, (laughs) that's a little hint of what's to come, I think, for this marriage. Yeah. Yeah. So she moves to New York. She's with this guy who she got married to, who's also a musician. Her friend's not a fan. Not a fan of her husband. This is what Joan Baez said about him. She said, my first thought was, you got to get rid of this guy. Is that your Joan Baez? <laughs> That's my Joan Baez. <laughs> it's like she's in the room. <laughs> Honestly. So uh, she, she said that the relationship was just a marriage of convenience. And she said that he promised to help her get her daughter back. And he never did. 
So then the partnership ended and they divorced in 1967. But already then she'd moved to New York. She'd established herself. She was part of like the New York folk hipster living her best life dream. And this is what she said about the first split. She said, there's an old saying. It says, if you make a good marriage, God bless you. If you make a bad marriage, become a philosopher. So I became a philosopher. There you go. Yeah, sorry, we're actually talking about Joni Mitchell, the philosopher, not the singer, in case anyone <laughs> yeah. was singer, by the way, yeah. confused. Very yeah. different. She just, she basically just has a really great time. She is, <laughs> this is a list of Joni's uh, paramours. So she was with Leonard Cohen, David Crosby, Graham Nash, who of course we'll get to, James Taylor, Sam, and Sam Shepard. And she had a great, um, she felt very comfortable explicitly referencing different people in her songs mm. so she walked so taylor swift could run oh i mean <laughs> so a case of you apparently is about leonard cohen coyote about sam shepherd and she really dished the dirt on ex-boyfriends she sorry for a second i thought you said sam shepherd <laughs> i was like <laughs> obviously got leonard cohen this shepherd guy from somewhere <laughs> <laughs> It's quite like um, quite Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite Joe. Keep with her vibe, right? Yeah. <laughs> she she spent yeah. one summer in the mountains, and things happened. <laughs> in the sixties, if you weren't with a shepherd, you weren't there. <laughs> uh, this is how she talked about James Taylor. She said he was broody, moody, and incapable of a relationship. This is what she said about Sam Shepherd. For me. On Coke, I found him attractive. Oh, Sam Shepard is gorgeous, Joni. You know it. And so is James Taylor as well. <laughs> so nice try. These are hot men. <laughs> so she's just living 60s dream life. She's in New York. She's vibing. She's having a great time. Meanwhile, across the Atlantic, we get to little Graham Nash. So Graham Nash was born in 1942 in Blackpool. In the early 60s, he co-founds the Hollies. He marries his first wife, Rose, in 1964. But basically, sadly for Rose, he then becomes a very famous and successful. So the marriage ends in 1966 when he was like, peace out, baby. I'm heading to America. I've got 22 year olds to get with, sorry. (laughs) So he's out of there. He's gone. So before Joni was with him, she was with David Crosby. So oh, David I see. Crosby. Okay, this is about to get messy. Okay, this is where it gets a little, a little bit messy. So, David Crosby discovers her in inverted commas in New York and brings her to Laurel Canyon because in the sixties, Laurel women Canyon had to be discovered by men for starters. <laughs> you couldn't just be a good singer. A man had to <laughs> bequeath upon you the honor of I now say she can sing. World. <laughs> He was, was like, Christopher columbus her. He <laughs> literally. <laughs> In every sense. So uh, whenever I think of, of Laurel Canyon, I always think of Megan Draper in Mad Men. That's my whole Ooh. reference point for Laurel Canyon. I think a very vibey scene. Um, Will, oh, it's you... incredible. It's, so it's 1968. You're in Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. Talk me through it. What's going on? Where are you heading out? Who are you meeting? <gasps> I think in my head, even though they probably all had these massive houses, in my head, Laurel Canyon is like one lovely cul-de-sac. Like, I've thought a lot about Laurel Canyon, and I imagine they all live next to each other. I think it's because of that song, Our House, which is such a sweet song. 
you don't imagine it being this kind of mansion. You imagine it just being this little cottage. And so we're all neighbours. Every night we're heading to someone's house for some kind of party, which involves some kind of festivities that may mm. or not, may not be uh, drugs. I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing, I think drugs were a big part of the scene, right? I think we I think we're enough at a distance from that period in time that we can yeah. say yeah, I think we can was, officially say people then worth, did drugs. Yeah, yeah <laughs> drugs in Laura Canyon in the It might get me fired from my um from my moonlighting job I do as as, as Joni Mitchell's lawyer. But uh, <laughs> that aside, I think I can say well yeah, she already admitted she 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 fancied who was it she fancied on Coke? It she only uh, fancied Sam Shepard because she Shepherd. was on Coke. Wow. But yeah, so I'm imagining there's going to be lots of that. And well, I think a lot of singing as well, which sounds lovely, but I think, and I love all these people and they're all amazing singers, but I think even the best, it would get quite annoying. You'd be like, can we yeah. just, do you want a film? You know, it would be a lot. Like, oh, I've a got lot. a demo out. I'm imagining lots of, you know, um, guitars and what they called Appalachian dulcimers, though the yeah. instrument she played. I think it's it's somewhere you want to go for a holiday, maybe like dip in and out of the scene. But I think, um, yeah, could have been quite intense. I mean, I said yeah, that's living can't there. sing. But I think yeah. living there would be quite, would be quite. Do you ever go to like a music festival and the tent next to you brought like banjos and a guitar? Yeah. And the first night at dusk, you're like, oh, this is so great. And they're singing along. And then like by Sunday, you're like, okay, guys, yeah. time to put away the fucking banjo. And you, yeah. you smash it over their tent and say, oh my God, who broke your banjo? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, no, I didn't see anything, man. It's that vibe. Yeah. I can, and yeah. for me, I don't know something about Laurel Canyon. I don't know about you, Will. But whenever I imagine it, it's always either sunrise or sunset. It's never like mm. broad it's never blistering it's never heat of la sun it's yeah. always like the sun's going down and it's all dusky and vibrant the sun's just coming up man but it's like the blistering hot sun of the day which is obviously the majority of the time i just ignore that in my fantasy it's always like them around those. so it's like fire and glowing lights and everything well those photos are black and white what we can't see is they're all so badly sunburned like they're all <laughs> sweaty like, bullets they're all like peeling they're really not happy they're sweating <laughs> Also, yeah, I completely, that really annoys me at festivals when people bring their own instruments as if like, mm. as if it's one of those things like, you know, when your parents tell you at like 16 to get a job and they're like, oh, just go around the pubs and hand in your CV and they'll be like, you know, show your face. Is it like that? I think people think it's like that at Glastonbury. Like, if I just turn up on the pyramid stage with my banjo, yeah. they'll be like, yeah, we can fit you on. They'll be walking by and Paul McCartney will be like, oh, but what have we done? We need bongos for the set to go ahead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always just a normal guitar. And you're like, as if they've been like, We've forgotten about the bloody guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Joni has arrived in Laurel Canyon. She's been discovered by David Crosby. And apparently she found it really annoying that he was like, oh yeah, I discovered her. So they were sort of seeing each other. And then Crosby took up semi-permanent residence at an old girlfriend's house. And Joni... Sorry, I was expecting that to be like a visa situation <laughs> Semi-permanent residence in the UK. Oh no, his exes. <laughs> oh god, they they would do that. The boys back then. Yeah. And then and I was this... like, oh no, man, don't be, don't be such a crazy cat. I'm just hanging around. Yeah. I'm just living there, man. It's just we're not, <laughs> we're not doing anything. You're still my woman. All this crap. You're my woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the most 60 sentence ever and I absolutely love it. When she found out that David Crosby was seeing his ex-girlfriend, she was absolutely raging and she confronted David Crosby at a party held at the monkey's Peter Tork's house. Of course she did. 
Of course. Yeah, I feel like everything that happened at a party at LA always happened at some like lead singer of a band's house. It yeah. never happened at like, oh, Dave just owns property in the area. Yeah. Like he was never at the party. But the best thing is, even if the, it's a story about having a nice time at a party in LA, there's always a twist at the end. They're like, we had a brilliant time. And then we found out the other party we were supposed to go to was the Manson party. <laughs> <Yeah. at>. Always. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we've been skirting around the Manson word there, but what we mean is that um, they were all chilling and making music and singing, and then also there was a murderer. Was he around? He was around that time, wasn't he? He was. Well, he, was he would have still been making music around that time as well. So he he, he may have been at this party. He, he may have been at the monkey's house party. Yeah. Well, so this is how she dealt with the fact that David Crosby was seeing a, a girl behind her back. This is Crosby's, this is his version of events. She came up to him and said, I've got a new song. Then she played the song about the midway, which has references to a man's sky-high harmonies and the way she caught him cheating on her more than once. And there is no question about the subject of the song. It was a very goodbye David song. And she sang it while looking right at me. It was like she was saying, did you get it? I'm really mad at you. And if she wasn't making her point enough by singing a song about him cheating on her to him while making eye contact with him, she then sang it again. So she sang it twice in a row. Twice in a row. Oh, God. I think we were right about the bit about these parties getting a bit much with all the singing. (laughs) This is the part where me and Will be like, we're going to go, guys. Thanks for having us. No, there's a third time. (laughs) Was Nash at this party? No, he wasn't at the party. He's not here. He wasn't at the scene yet. He's not here. He doesn't know David Nash. He's still with the Hollies on tour. Okay. All of that is about to change. So we go to Ottawa in. 1967 the Hollies were playing a show there and Joni was playing at a local club and there was a part so this is Graham Nash telling this story there was a party thrown for us after a show and when I entered the room I noticed a beautiful woman sitting down with what appeared to be a large bible on her knees I kept staring at her and her manager at the time was saying something into my ear and distracting me from my quest I asked him to be quiet as I was checking Joni out. He said, if you'll just listen to me, I was trying oh, to sorry. tell you that she wants to meet you. That seems insane. Like, it's like when your mum asks you to like, turn the radio down so she can see the roads better when she's driving. It's like, do you, is, is silence a prerequisite for being horny? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, That's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> there's Joni Mitchell in the Staring 60s. Like, Shh, I'm trying to look. <laughs> She was a whole package, a lovely, sylph-like woman with a natural blush, like windburn. Wait, that, that's the sunburn we discussed earlier on, but okay, you want to call it windburn, whatever, whatever floats your boat, pal. And I don't an know what elusive... windburn is, but I wouldn't, it, it's not the first point of comparison yeah. I'd love to be made. <laughs> that's, be... She, I think he's kind of negging here, to be honest, if I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like your like windburn, girl. <laughs> and an elusive quality that seemed to be lit from within. So he goes over to talk to her and she says, I know who you are. That's why I'm here. Oh, nice. Well, then you know you're in. I'm me. Joni says that. Joni says The race says is that. off. Joni's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. No surprise. So the two got talking and then they quickly, and they quickly found themselves back at her hotel. 
that always happens. I'm always finding myself back at a guy's hotel. Yeah. It happens all the time. There was a fire roaring and incense burned in ash trees dotted around the room. So do you think she had set the scene up? this? <laughs> what hotel is yeah, fires I mean, and incense? Sounds... Nash described it as a seduction scene extraordinaire. She picked up a guitar and played me 15 of the best songs I've ever heard. <laughs> That's Shut way up. too many songs Shut for a first day. Shut up. Imagine by number, 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 like, number 12, you're like, oh, I think we've, we've heard the album. Let's, uh... And also, could, was the fire roaring the whole time? Was he going out? I have to get some logs. Keep going. No, no, don't, don't stop for me. And he we know like, come he back famously... in with wood. <laughs> well, he didn't come back in with wood because he famously hey. needs silence to be horny, as we learned earlier. He's like, you stop with a guitar. I'm trying to fancy album. you here. <laughs> How long? I mean, that was. I'm just doing the the mental math in my head. We're talk, that must be at least like about two hours. I'm guessing. Yeah. That's I'm sure her songs were about, <laughs> yeah. her songs were about five six minutes long. So yeah, about. Oh two yeah, they're hours not like talking. they're not like those like you know two minute radio. Yeah, edits. it's not. Do you think? Do you think she did the chat between as well, like at a festival? Like, <laughs> thanks so much for coming, Graham. <laughs> so this next song is actually one of the new ones. I hope you like it. Yeah. That special He's someone like, out there. The <laughs> and since um, her. Her, her songs are so autobiographical. A lot of them will be like about like, oh, he was a shit and oh God, that prick I dated. Yeah, the pressure to be good in bed after hearing these songs of like, God, right? what's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very intimate, very intense experience. Do you think, I mean, Will, do you ever, do you think that could be a seduction technique? Like if you bring a guy back to, you find yourself in a hotel room with this guy that you like, you've got the fire burning, you've got the incense lit. Do you think like Club 20 or like just straight at him? <laughs> Preview for an Edinburgh show. Yeah. I think one of those, in those situations, like, I kind of get that thing of like I'm I'm quite I'm, I'd be quite nervous about especially first time with someone new, especially already we're burning candles in a hotel room and I'm already thinking about the guy from the lobby coming up and screaming, but I'm I'm risk assessing the situation in my head, so that's stressful enough. So I kind of I maybe she was just procrastinating the sex. Maybe she thought, look, can we just you know maybe just get the album out of the way and then we can maybe she was trying to get him to leave <laughs> she's like surely yeah. he won't stay for this surely and like song number 10 she's like he's still f- i can't believe he's still fucking here i'll do, I'll do the long one and she just kept she's like, after 15 she's like oh all right guess all right so i guess we'll have sex then i guess we have to now you've stuck around this long <laughs> so i wonder he... how he responded i wonder if he was really like really like positive and enthusiastic whether he i think you've got to be in that situation don't you you can't you can't shag someone seconds after saying oh, i didn't really like track number four you know <laughs> yeah. you've got to be positive well he was impressed he says it was magical on so many different levels obviously i fell <laughs> he's in talking love. about the shagging isn't he it's about the sex <laughs> yeah. yeah i fell in love right there and then she touched my heart and soul in a way that had never been touched before wow i'll be honest i didn't think that was going to end with soul same. My heart and what? <laughs> oh, that's quite lovely. But now, weirdly, such an intense experience. You think, oh, then they get together. They didn't. So she went back on the road. He went back on the road. They went their separate ways, and she moved back in or was living briefly with Leonard Cohen in Chelsea until later that year. Their paths that's like crossed... an in between bit of like, <laughs> and then also she was like uh, with Leonard Cohen. But back to <laughs> well, that's insane. 
Where were they? Were they in New York at the time? So that was New York. That was Chelsea, New York, late 60s, as you do. But she heads back to Laurel Canyon. She's at uh, Crosby's house. So obviously she's sort of like, you know, he he dumped me or was cheating on her. But then she got a song out of it. So I think maybe that sort of eased... Is she playing the song again for a third time? (laughs) This went down pretty well, actually. (laughs) Remember this? So their paths cross again at a party David Crosby was hosting, appearing out of nowhere from amongst the scenes of colourful, hedonistic abandon. She took Graham Nash by the arm and said, come to my house and I'll take care of you. He moved in straight away. That was it. Oh my goodness. So what year is this? This is 68. This is 68. Okay. So they're now they're living together. Love's young dream. It's happening. They are living together. So, Will, we're at peak Joni and Graham. It's 68. You get a phone call saying, hey, come around to our house. We're having a party. What do you imagine a night out with Joni and Graham being like? Well, the only kind of reference point we have for this, I think, in sort of documented history is the song Our House, which is about their their shared house. And far from the kind of crazy parties and drugs, it's all about cats and candles and things. <laughs> they, God, they love a candle. And the the my anxiety is not compatible <laughs> with open fires in heavily furnished rooms. But I feel like, yeah, maybe it'd be quite tame. Maybe there'd be that couple who's like at nine o'clock, like, oh, we're tired, must go to bed. I think in reality, probably, it'd be a lot of fun. Because I think, I think there'd be a lot, of, a lot of, like, cool things. I'm imagining their house is full of, like, Joni's paintings. I don't know what Graham's thing, whether he was into. Lots, I imagine lots of rugs as well. Lots of rugs and, and lots, rugs. Of, um, lots of wall hangings, you know, fabrics hanging on the hangings. wall. Yes. Again, the candle, that situation mm. stresses me out even more now. Yeah. now I know there's wall hangings. Um, also, <laughs> I'm imagining kind of wooden carvings. Definitely. Not that and they've no, made, like, but that they've, they've bought somewhere. No ceiling lights, just like lamps and candles. Yeah, no lights. No, exactly. So they had a very idyllic time together when they were together. So he wrote music. Joni Mitchell was doing her visual art. And apparently nothing could break this intense bond the two songwriters shared. So it was an incredibly creative period for them both. One day, Mitchell was gathering flowers in the garden and sensing a songwriting opportunity. Nash captured this little domestic moment and wrote a famous song, Our House. Our house is a very, 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 very fine house with two cats in the yard. Life used to be so hard. Now everything is easy because of you. She wrote, my old man. He's my sunshine in the morning. He's my fireworks at the end of the day. He's the warmest chord I ever heard. Play that warm chord. Play and stay. Aww. But of course he didn't stay. (laughs) Because this this doesn't end that way. I wouldn't wouldn't want... Someone, because they were roughly the same age, I think, right? And there was maybe like yeah. a year between them. Someone wrote a song about me called My Old Man. I'd be like, oh, right, That's mate. just the word they used back yeah. then. That's just the no, word they used back then. <laughs> yeah, it's very sweet. Also, very 60s. The, um, 60s. Our house thing of like them gathering the flowers and stuff. It's so, it, I think that song is such a beautiful song, but he needed to write some more lyrics than putting very in there as many times as he did. <laughs> Is it six berries or something? It's like we get it. It's a nice, it's a nice house. It's a very fine. Um, should we think about something else in this life? About the flowers? About the, the wall hangings? 
Very, 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 very fine house. How nice is it? It's very, 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 <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I love it. It's a beautiful song. So they were very happy together, but then cracks began to emerge. Sad to say. Quick question. How long did they move it? How long had they been together when they moved in? Well, so from his account, he met her at the party and she was like, yeah, you're coming home with me. That's it. They moved it feels in. like quite an intensely early days to move it, like to share a house and two cats. Yeah, they moved fast. How long were they together before cracks started to appear? I, I mean, they were together just for two years altogether. Okay, all right. So it I was very. It's not the not the longest of the of, of the. Uh, That's, those are my what... favorite ones that pack in a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. So they moved in together, meet the party, move in together. Really creative. They're like staying up all night partying, writing songs, but they start talking about marriage. So this is the first sign of tension. And I can understand this because we all know, like, it was all like the 60s and free love and everybody's brilliant, but it was still was like men in the 60s. And Graham Nash was like, this like Liverpudlian from, oh, sorry, he's from Blackpool, but he's like of a certain era and it's like free love, but still. Anyway, so this is what he says about it. I always believe that somewhere in Joni's mind, she thought that I would demand that of her. That, you know, the whole traditional, the wife stays at home, which is completely false. How the hell could anybody have a, with a brain say that to Joni Mitchell? Why don't you just cook? So even though we talked about marriage, I think the reality of it from Joni's point of view was very scary. Mm. So she, he says, I don't know where she got this idea that I had this traditional view of marriage and gender roles and that my career would take precedent over her. That's crazy. Does the lady protest too much? What do you think? No, not at all. I think uh, there's a really moving quote where she talks about her grandma on her dad's side, I think it is. And she says like about how she, well, you've got, you've got to go on here. So here's what she says. She said, so remember, he's like, oh, why did she, I wonder why she thought I, a man of the 60s, you know, had regressive views about marriage. Here's what she says. I just started thinking. My grandmother was a frustrated poet and musician. She kicked the kitchen door off the hinges on the farm. I thought about my paternal grandmother who wept for the last time in her life at 14 behind some barn because she wanted a piano and said, dry your eyes, you silly girl. You'll never have a piano. And I thought maybe I'm the one that got the gene that has to make it happen for these two women. As much as I loved and cared for Graham, I just thought, I'm going to end up like my grandmother, kicking the door off the hinges. You know what I mean? It's like, I better not. But it broke my heart. Oh, good for oh. her, though. Early, early, a proto-feminist there in good old Joni. Yeah. Also, like, she'd already been married, and that had been, by all accounts, Pretty quite tr- difficult. And she, mm. you know, she was, also, her name is, you know, not her, not the surname she was born with. It was her married name. And so I kind of get being like, look, I've, I've, I've done that now and I want to, you know, I, I can completely see how you can imagine, I don't know, you can imagine some record exec being like, oh, they don't want married women being on record, whatever. Totally. So mm-hmm. I get entirely, I don't think she's protesting too much at all. I think uh, I'm very glad she resisted marriage. Also, it doesn't end well. Uh, this this relationship, so you know, would have been costly from a legal perspective. Exactly. Imagine the, the lawyer's fees. It might never have been blue. It might never have been 
any of the later albums. So they're still together, but it's a bit tense because he wants to get married. She's not feeling it. So she went off to Europe for a bit. Now, this is just from this. I've only found one version of this account, but apparently they, the band. So basically it was her, by the way, who introduced Crosby, Steels and Nash to each other because, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like she masked, she introduced it. So a few, so Crosby, uh, Steel, is it Steel? It's my stills. 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 Crosby, Stills yeah. and Nash. You feel like they could have come up with a with a, just a, a name for the band. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they were performing. That's good. We all know bands don't have to be called good things. Just give them a name. There's one band at the time called The Band. I would have done. It worked. <laughs> yeah. So... They went on a short tour in Europe alongside Joni Mitchell and apparently it all went weird in Copenhagen. So a pr- few days prior, they had played a sto- show in Stockholm and while on stage, they were talking about politics with a gentle anti-American slant discussing the Vietnam War and the Kennedy assassination. For some reason, this really annoyed Joni. She was really upset. She was really annoyed. She said to Graham, you keep slagging America off at every opportunity why are you biting the hand that feeds you so a titanic argument ensued which resulted in Joni Mitchell pouring her bowl of cornflakes and milk over his head well if that doesn't teach him nothing well yeah also I take issue with that quote there is no way that a Canadian in America at that time was using the word slagging off so she's definitely been misquoted I'm just saying (laughs) we don't have those words in our language (laughs) So, yeah. she said, so whoever told that quote is lying. She'd <laughs> been to London for a visit and it had been influential. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Then apparently things got super weird. There was a maid cleaning the room at the time and she was asked to leave. Uh, directly from the mouth of... Uh, so directly from the mouth of this apparently what happened. Then I put Joni on my knee and I spanked her. And with all due respect, she took it very well. It was over within 30 <laughs> seconds. This was this was my biggest reservation about bringing this couple onto the podcast because that is the most insane detail of a breakup ever. And what's even more extraordinary is, like, <laughs> this is insane that he thought, how relaxed you have to be in an interview to be like, I'll tell you one thing, and I think you'll find this funny. Me and Joni, it ended in a strange way. <laughs> and I think, she, oh, it's so crazy that maybe she thought, marriage to him might be a little bit unbalanced the whole it just the whole thing is crazy that and also like he admits in, in, when he tells us he admits it was like wrong and disgusting and weird and odd and all these things tell them one this he's a very this will this will be a feature graham nash is very open in interviews he is a very he's an open book he's like the open book he that is. was on jody's lap when he met her first so um things Bible. were a little uh, a little bit eggy. Um, then after the tour is finished, they returned to the US. So David Crosby, his one of his ex-girlfriends had died. So he was really struggling and in a bad place. So to cheer him up, they decided to go on this huge, big, like, booze cruise. But this, like, beyond booze cruise, where they got on this boat and went on a 3,000-mile trip from Florida back to San Francisco. They spent seven weeks at sea with a bottomless supply of weed and coke. Then during a stop in Panama, Joni Mitchell came on board. And before too long, they were arguing once more and it became so fraught that she yelled at him, telling him he hated all women. 
And then apparently things turned ugly in inverted commas. And she left and flew back to LA. So Graeme Nash comes back, gets back to LA after his booze cruise. He's on, apparently he was lying alone on the kitchen floor when he received a telegram from Mitchell. Oh, Sent I love from. a telegram. Sent from. Yeah. So he's lying on the kitchen floor. And then knock, knock. It's a telegram from Jordan Mitchell. So you should know, just listeners, if you ever get a telegram, it e- either means your husband has died on the front or mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell once again contact. Yeah. Yeah. Two times. Bloody so hope I get, bloody hope I get a telegram now because either Joni Mitchell once again touch and great or I find out I had a husband. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. I mean, fucking he's hell. He's a war I'm, hero I'm, as well, so. Yeah, he's died a war hero. <laughs> so he's lying, so Graham is lying on the kitchen floor, knock, knock. It's a telegram from Joni Mitchell, and the telegram just says, if you hold sand too tightly in your hand, it will run through your fingers. Love, Joan. So okay. that's, how she break, that's how she breaks up with them. Decide. And that's it. It's done. That's it. Well, um, I think this wasn't actually meant to be a breakup thing. She was like, oh my God, I've just had this thought. Like, if you hold sand <laughs> yeah, too tightly, <laughs> isn't that insane, Graham? And then he's like, oh my God, I'm going to write a song. It's all over. Also... She can do no wrong in my eyes. She's my hero, etc. That aside, I think this is. I've, I've heard this quote a number of times before. I think it's wrong. I've thought about this a lot. I've actually was at the beach like about a year ago, and I remember thinking about because it's quite like a well-known thing in like the kind of Joni canon. Um, and I've held sand, and I was like, well, no, it's no. The, the tighter you hold it, really, the more secure it is. The more secure the it is. You yeah. Hold sand, then it will slip through your fingers. By the way, a separate point which is relevant is that this was sent from Ibiza, this telegram, which I think is the coolest place. Like, imagine if you're, like, being dumped by telegram. It's like, imagine if you're... This is the 60s equivalent of being sent a drunk text by your boyfriend or girlfriend in Ibiza. Like, it's it's both not cool, but because it's Joni Mitchell, it's A, badass, and B, it's been sent in some sort of riddle about yeah. sand. You have to decipher. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you, so this is the bit, this is the break. So why do you think, what happened? They had such an amazing chemistry together. They, you know, the love they had inspired music that still brings people joy to this day. Why do you think they couldn't make it work? Because they're both devastated. They're both really upset after the breakups. Why do you think, what happened? Oh, it's hard to tell. It could be that the, the, you know, they got bored of each other's songs. Could be that one of the cats died. Could be the fact he asked the maid to leave and then spanked her. I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> if I'm honest, I feel like it, it seems at this stage like he was holding her back a bit. Like she, she's doing really well and she's an incredible singer and songwriter and she just needs to fly. And he's probably, you know, not not helping with that. Yeah, I think they were just too passionate, which happens a lot on this podcast. When they when they burn bright and fast, mm-hmm. there's just too much going on. They spent too many nights up till five a.m. writing songs with each other and thinking about their relationship. To be yeah. a lot of these relationships, when it's like that, is it's a bit like Love Island, but for two years you're just sat together every night, just <laughs> thinking about each other and thinking about the relationship. And that's all you're doing. And much like a Love Island relationship, it can't you can't sustain that once you know, eventually you're like, well, I, I gotta stop thinking about this fucking relationship. I just want to live and, my life. And much like Love Island, eventually all contestants realise that if you hold sand too tightly <laughs> too in your tight, hand... <laughs> it runs through your fingers right into your white, horrible white champagne glass. <laughs> well, so famously, after the breakup, it inspired incredible music. So in 1961, ni- sorry, 1971, Joni 
I love how we're just calling her Joni now. Joni yeah. brought out Blue, which included classics like A Case of You, My Old Man, and The Heartbreaker River. And then also Nash's bandmate Neil Young penned the iconic song Only Love Can Break Your Heart as a way of trying to heal poor Graham Nash's devastation. So all these famous heartbreak songs were inspired by this breakup. So uh, this is what Nash said about Blue. He said, it's by far my most favourite solo album and the thought that I spent much time with this fine woman and this genius of a writer is incredible to me. He's, and this is, and then in an interview afterwards, he said, I'm married to this incredible woman right now. So I should say uh, this about her. But yes, in those days, Joni was absolutely the love of my life. It's Joni Mitchell for fuck's sake. Look at how she looks to start with. Then you put all those songs behind that smile. I didn't stand a fucking chance. Well, at least he's honest. Yeah. Uh, after the splish, Joan married Larry Klein, but it fell apart after a decade. Then Graham married Susan Sennett, and she was his wife for 48 years. They had three children together. And then... Oh, he went through a bit of a moment. Then they divorced and he got together with a woman 40 years younger than him. 40 is his oh. third wife, is 40 years younger and none of his children now speak to him anymore. Well, then there you go. <laughs> that is oh, just in, how I thought it a, would. <laughs> in an interview, and he now was we're asked, back to reality. <laughs> in an interview, he was asked whether he, like, whether he felt okay about this situation. He was like, my sex life is incredible. That was his response. And I was just like, wow, that's quite, like, <laughs> quite impressive. That says logic. everything you need to know. <laughs> oh, my kids talk to me, but oh my God, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he's a bit of a fuckboy, isn't he? When you become be famous in the 60s, I'm telling you, yeah, men you couldn't help the it. 60s. They all were. They all were. So now we, we've come to the big question. In this split between Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash, who thrived and who simply survived? Well, it's a good question. I think there is an I think there is an answer uh, for me. Well, to, uh, to be fair, I'll say this: I think Graham would agree, which is because he's been to his credit, he has been very supportive of Joni Mitchell and said he said I think that there's like three artists history will remember, which is Dylan, the Beatles, and Joni, and I think it's you know. Certainly, from where I'm sitting, Joni Mitchell has the one who's thrived. And also, I think to be sincere for a second, I think there's something quite lovely. You know, Blue is a beautiful album. Obviously, it's you know an album that I think a lot of people have held very dearly to them. And uh, she definitely like took a bad situation. She was clearly very in love with Graham Nash, and he was clearly very in love with her, and like turned it into something very, very beautiful. But yeah, I do think uh, as much as he had a great career too. After that, I think she's the she's come out on top here. She's it sounds like, you know, she's the winner. I think it's definitely Johnny, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. If not just for Blue alone, obviously that means you're the winner. If the album you come out with is Blue, then you officially just won. So yeah. I, I, think think it's, she... I think it's kind of cut and dry with that. I think she didn't yeah. just win this breakup. I think she has won all breakups. Yeah, yes. yeah, totally. And I think she's, argu- it's not even arguably, I think she's definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, definitely way more successful and well-known and famous and... Etc. 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 Than than he is, unfortunately. He's still big, but she's Joni fucking Mitchell. So yeah. best of luck, bruv. Yeah, yeah. She she's the winner. It's obvious. Well, uh, speaking of musical icons, we now get mm. to our 
our final big question from you. Another big musical icon, also who was around in the 60s and probably at many of these parties, is unbelievably single now. And we don't think she necessarily needs someone that she simply deserves to be loved. So can you think of someone who is up to the level of the one, the only, Cher? (laughs) It is insane. Well, on the one hand, it's insane she's single. On the other hand, like 90% of her gigs and her shows are at like gay venues. So yeah, I feel like totally. she's not mixing with the right crowd. <laughs> she's not mixing with the right crowd. Like, Shed, none of these guys are into you. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be someone, she's she's obviously she's got a lot of options, right? So I reckon it's going to be someone who she's met quite recently because she probably would have like discounted people from her earlier life. Mm-hmm. What's she done recently? What's arguably, I think, what's she going to be known for forevermore? Mamma Mia 2, here we go again. Yeah. Yep. And I see the most natural fit there being Colin Firth. Oh, nice. And yes, he's married and he has wife Oh, no, and we kids always say, whatever. we always believe that anyone would step aside for their partner to be with Cher. So, married or yeah. not married is completely irrelevant. Yeah. You I, would step I, aside or join in I, if you could. Um, well, so, I would. Yeah, her I, and Colin you know, Firth. I think that's a really good one. I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I think I'd you... head back in that closet if she propositioned me. Wouldn't you just? You, exactly. Yeah, I'd lock the door. <laughs> I think Colin Firth would be very like, oh, sure. I think you look beautiful in anything. Oh, I've said too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Snap out of it. And then we're back to that. We try to make that joke every single week if we can. For our listeners, they know that. That's a great that's choice. So I like her and Colin. He's quite mature. Mm-hmm. He's also talented. He's not in the same industry, but similar. So he understands. Oh, I think it's a, it's a good match. I like it. Well done. You know, we've talked about a couple that made beautiful art together. Arguably, and I say this including Blue, <laughs> Uh, the album. Arguably no finer piece of art has ever been created than Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. Mm-hmm. I think it's a phenomenal film. I watch it so much. I watch Mamma Mia 1 and Mamma Mia 2 whenever I feel sad and especially in the world we live in today that's quite a lot. So I know those films very well and you know, I think you could definitely have you could have a very happy life reminiscing about the amazing film you made together. Definitely. Christine Baranski calling around. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Julie Walters comes oh. in. Meryl Streep's there. She's dead, but she's there. She's there. <laughs> Great choice. Get married in a pair of matching dungarees. Fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. And um, where can our listeners find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Will Hall Comedy. Very cringe, but annoyingly, every it turns out like every third person is called Will Hall. Yeah. So, it was either that or like 10 different numbers afterwards so anyway or instagram if they're keen enough the internet will provide if you want to find him you will yeah Yeah. that's great stuff just stay alive (laughs) thank you so much you just stay alive and you'll get there yeah um and if Joni wants to find me it's oh seven (laughs) eight just uh, listen Joni. just contact the pod we'll pass on his details we'll put you in touch don't worry about it (laughs) you could come on Joni, this is director Joni here. You could come on as a guest and talk about me and my ex. I'm just thinking, what's what's fair is fair. That seems like a fair trade, right? And that will oddly enough get our definite most number of listens. It'll be about your relationship. <laughs> it should be great. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I think they broke up because they just kind of like, well, the phrase we used was we ran out of road. 
Oh, goodness, she'll steal that for a song. You have to hold on to that road. You're holding on to that road too tight. You hold on to it too tight. It went through your fingers. Yeah, I've always said, if you hold on to road too tight, and uh, it'll slip through your fingers. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production, produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so... Email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks so much to Audio Boom for hosting and thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they were. were.